Hello and welcome to the Roto-World Baseball Podcast. Or I should say welcome back because it's been a little while, but uh, we're here for a special episode for the winter meetings. Uh, I'm a little bit under the weather, but uh, that's sort of just life now. I have babies in daycare, bringing home all sorts of germs, and I'm getting all of them right now. Um, but yeah, that's just life right now. But anyway, I'm joined here as always by Drew Silva. Uh, how did the winter meetings treat you? Um, you know, they were slower than we're accustomed to. I'm thinking yeah. the last episode we did was like a kind of a hot stove preview podcast. Mm-hmm. And like there's hasn't really been much hot stove action. Um, no. I think there are a couple different theories for for why that is. Um, and I think they're they're all they all kind of have some some credence like um, I've, I've read articles talking about how teams communicate differently nowadays um text message and skype and facetime but i, I don't know i mean like w- which makes you know getting together at, at a hotel resort for a week kind of um unnecessary yeah um but i i feel that technology is not really new um and and like the last few winter meetings have been pretty active um if if I had to put it on something, it would be that I don't know, for, for position players, at least JD Martinez has to almost set the market or, you know, a guy below him has to set the market. And then for starting pitchers, you Darvish or Jake Arrieta has to set the market for those guys. Cause there's really a big drop off between, you know, it's a top heavy free agent market on, on both sides of that relief pitchers. We've seen um, signed in droves over the past week. So, you know, the dominoes have fallen with that market. Um, I just think there's there's a top heaviness, and a lot of those guys are represented by Scott Boris. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah, who likes to take his time and you know set the bar really high. I mean, he's talking about what in, in late November he was talking about JD Martinez getting a, a 210 million dollar deal. Um, I think on Wednesday at his media scrum in Orlando, um, he he suggested that Hosmer is worth 200 million. Like those guys <laughs> are not going to get that no. kind of money. Um, but it's you know it's a strategy that Boris uses, and hey, it's been really effective for the most part. Um, it's just going to take some time for that number to come down. Yeah, certainly you know with the holidays coming up, I don't know if we're going to see resolution on that until you know well after the start of the new year, perhaps. And uh, Boris represents JD Martinez, Eric Hosmer, Jake Arrieta, uh, Greg Holland, who seems like he's close to maybe signing, uh, re-signing with the Rockies, uh, Mike Mustakis as well. So. He has a lot of the top free agents. I think that could be a factor why things are, are kind of slow. I think the Giancarlo Stanton situation is a factor in kind of uh, delaying a lot of important moves by these teams. Uh, Shohei Otani was such a unique situation as well. Not so much about the money, but maybe just for planning purposes. Uh, so I think this, this year was unique in, in so many ways. Um, but I mean, yeah. we've been doing this forever and, and kind of looking back at some of the winter meetings of the past, like... You know, the Cliff Lee drama when he signed with the Rangers or Albert, Albert Pujols with the Angels. I remember the, the night that he signed with them, there was maybe the Marlins were in the mix there. So, I mean, the drama that came with that was like so much fun. Um, so the difference between back then and now, I mean, it is really night and day that so much is really left unsettled. The largest contract so far free agent deal, Tyler Chatwood still. Three yep. years, I think that's $38.5 million with the Cubs. I believe that's still the top uh, free agent contract so far. Yeah, and I think yeah, that was kind of like, um, I think the Cubs went above and beyond for that one, kind of an upside play for them. I mean, I, I really like Chatwood. 
Um, you know, his numbers away from Coors Field suggest that he's going to have a lot of success uh, calling a different ballpark home. But, I mean, I don't know that he was going to get $38 million from any other team. I think think the Cubs really made a, a risky, but, you know, it's a play that's based off a lot of good advanced data that, that he's, you know, it's an upside play, and, and they kind of went out of their way to get that done. But, yeah, that that hasn't really set the market for anyone else. Right. Um, but, yeah, as, as you were saying, like, winter meetings in the past have been kind of our busiest week at Roto World. And when I tell people that, you know, that, that don't really follow baseball, they're kind of like, wait, you have your busiest week is in December? Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it's been the truth, and it just really wasn't the case this week. I mean, we had a lot of rumors and, and minor transactions. And like I mentioned, the, the relief market was was pretty crazy um, and there were some big trades, and we'll get into those too. Um, yeah, so some of the other pitchers left on the market. You mentioned Darvish, Alex Cobb, Lance Lynn, uh, guys to look out for. I think things will pick up with those guys here pretty soon. Uh, we should just mention really quickly, um, if you want to get into this for a second, uh, with Shohei Otani, there was a report this week that he has uh, some damage to the UCL in his elbow. I think it's a grade one sprain. Uh, and this is something that, I believe when he took a, a physical before he was posted, um, it basically was distributed to all the teams. So uh, when this news came out, it definitely was, was a scary thing. You're like, oh my gosh, the Angels just signed this guy and he could need Tommy John surgery, but it doesn't sound that bad. Yeah, I, I, it was a, definitely a, a attention-grabbing headline, um, but I read a thing today where 90% of pitchers have you know, at, at some point in their careers suffered a, a grade one sprain in their, of their UCL. Yeah. Um, and, and a lot of them recover without any sort of surgery. I don't, I don't think it's a big concern. It's something to keep in the, in the back of your head, like, you know, Masahiro Tanaka's injury, but this is, this one's actually even less serious. Yeah. Um, and it sounds like he'll be a full p- participant at angels camp in the spring. Did you see that, uh, Yahoo sports and I, and I guess some other services as well have, determined that they're going to use two Shohei Otanis I this year in, I in fantasy leagues. Yeah. That's, I mean, I, I figured that's what they were going to do because it is such a weird situation. Uh, but mm-hmm. I would love it that you could have him both as a pitcher and a position player, but maybe where you'd have to decide whether he's going to be a pitcher or a hitter on any given day. I think Eno Saris put that out on Twitter today. I, I definitely agree with that take. Yeah, it'd be way more more interesting um, to be able to use them daily as you see fit. Right. Um, man, they're going to be some Otani for Otani trades this year. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Uh, so speaking of trades, uh, of course, the big trade, Giancarlo Stanton to the Yankees, was finalized at the start of the winter meetings, had a press conference there. But the big deal that took place at the winter meetings this week was outfielder Marcelo Zuna being traded to the Cardinals. Uh, became official on Thursday. We're recording this late Thursday afternoon. Uh, yes, the Marlins sell-off continues. Uh, sorry, Marlins fans, but uh, the Cardinals are benefiting here in a big way. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the Cardinals didn't have to give up any of their top five prospects to do this. It was more of a, a quantity over quality return for the Marlins, which I guess if you're going to do a big fire sale and you feel like you've you've got to totally build it from the ground up, it is smart to just get a bunch of B-level prospects and hope some of them turn into A-level prospects. Um, but I, I don't know, I'll, I'll run through who who the Marlins got from the Cardinals. Um, right-handed pitching prospect Sandy Alcantara, center field prospect Magnera Sierra, 2016 third-round pick Zach Gallen, 
and kind of a throw-in um, in minor league left-hander Daniel Castano, a 19th-round pick from 2016. Alcantara is probably the headliner here. Um, he's been clocked at 102 miles per hour with his fastball, made his MLB debut in 2017 at age 21, but he's still pretty raw, um, needs to work on his control issues for, for sure, uh, has to better develop his secondary pitches. And his numbers from AA this past year weren't really all that great. Um, a big arm to dream on um, has that that high octane heater, but um, you know there are some concerns about what he's going to become. And some evaluators say he's going to be a a long term number two major league starter. Some say he's better suited for the bullpen. Um, so there are some variables to to what he's going to be. Um, Magnera Sierra also made his MLB debut in 2017 at age 21, posted a 317 batting average and 64 plate appearances. Um, but his minor league numbers w- would suggest he kind of lucked into that number. Sierra had a 306 on base percentage and over 750 plate appearances at the single A level, and he's never hit for much power at any level in the minors. Um, very slender frame guy, uh, but he's fast. He rates well defensively with good range and a pretty good arm. Maybe with a little more development physically, he can improve that hit tool and turn into a legitimate everyday center fielder for Miami. Zach Gallen, I think, is kind of interesting. Um, shout out to AAA a little over 12 months after being drafted out of the University of North Carolina in 2016. Um, already has a three above average pitches, a, a nice high floor, low ceiling guy uh, who could probably join the back end of the Marlins rotation in mid to late 2018 or, you know, at, at worst, probably opening day in 2019. I don't know that, that he has huge upside, but. Um, he's, he's posted very good numbers so far in the minors. Um, and then Daniel Castano, uh, kind of just a throw in. Actually had pretty good numbers in low-way ball this past season, but he's 23 years old and, and doesn't carry a whole lot of upside. In return for that package, the Cardinals get a player in Ozuna who experienced a breakout year in 2017 at age 26. 37 home runs, 124 RBIs, a 312 batting average, and a 924 OPS. Um, he joins an outfield in St. Louis that should be pretty exciting. Tommy Pham will move to center field with Dexter Fowler probably playing left and Ozuna bringing his big arm to right field. Um, Pham and Ozuna were both among the top five outfielders in the National League in 2017, according to Fangraph's version of wins above replacement. Um, from a fantasy perspective on Ozuna, I, I think we should maybe be expecting some offensive regression because he had never raked like that before. And he outperformed some of his more predictive advanced metrics, uh, WOBA, expected WOBA, uh, batting average on balls in play were all kind of off the charts. But I also think he's taken real strides as a hitter. Uh, And the Cardinals have a number of good OBP guys at the top of their lineup, dudes that get on base. So the RBI opportunity should be there, maybe even more so than they were in Miami. Bush Stadium plays a little more power-friendly than Marlins Park, but they're pretty close. They're both... Um, almost extreme pitcher parks, but I don't know. Overall, I'd say the outlook for Ozuna is pretty good. Maybe a little regression, but but maybe not. Yeah, I mean, I um, don't think you'd count on him to hit three twelve again necessarily. Um, yeah, and he also hits a lot of balls on the ground. But uh, if you look at hard hit rate, exit velocity, even separate the exit velocity for for fly balls and line drives, which I think is like the big key because you could hit a ball hard on the ground and then it's an out. But mm-hmm. um, if you look at those metrics, uh, it really backs up what he did last year. Uh, so I'm really into it. He's a really good hitter. The Cardinals get two more years of team control on him. So uh, that's a that's a huge pickup. 
Yeah, and that that change that he made as a hitter kind of started in 2016, and then he suffered, I, I believe, it was a wrist injury. Yeah, um, in the middle of the summer, and, and that you know that'll throw off any hitter. So, I mean, I think he's a good player. Two years left of control, and the Cardinals didn't have to give up really any major top prospects to get him. Um, which I don't know doesn't speak very well of the Marlins' new management group. I think I mean it's not been a great week for them. I, I think Alcantara, you know, he's a guy who we'll probably see on some prospect lists in the spring. I, I anticipate. Um, yeah. And Jorge Guzman, who they got from for Stanton, uh, another hard thrower, but he's a guy who might end up a reliever. And you could say the same for Alcantara. So uh, who knows how that's going to go? I think it's been a disappointing. Uh, return so far. Also, D. Gordon was traded, and they really didn't get a huge piece back there either. That was a really reasonable contract, uh, given what he's capable of doing. So, I mean, Marlins fans are pissed right now, and, and rightfully so. Um, if if there are any left, yeah. If there are any left, that's true. Um, anyway, the Cardinals weren't done there this week. They also flipped outfielder Steven Piscotty to the Athletics. Uh, that deal became official on Thursday as well. Uh, this is the case of the A's buying low on Piscotty, but also the Cardinals did Piscotty a solid here, if, you, if you'd like to explain that situation. Yeah, um, his mother Gretchen was diagnosed with Lou Gehrig's disease in May. Um, Piscotty actually missed a couple of games to, to fly out to the Bay Area. He's from the, he's from the Bay Area, is uh, a Stanford graduate. So this kind of gets him home, which is cool. Um, I think it's a, a nice move that the Cardinals and A's were both able to pull off. and I. For sure. You know, I, I I can't speculate on somebody's emotions when I don't know them personally, but I, I think he's probably going to, to a better place mentally um, where maybe he could get back to that promising career tra- trajectory he showed uh, when he first came up. I mean, he had an 815 OPS with 29 home runs and 124 R- R- RBIs over his first 216 major league games between 2015 and 2016, but before injuries and that off-field stuff kind of you know, threw him off track in 2017. Um, in return, the Cardinals got Jairo Munez. Uh, I researched that pronunciation, DJ. And <laughs> I I'm like, that. I'm like 90% certain it's accurate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's a shortstop. Um, well, he's played all around the diamond actually, but primarily at shortstop. And then Max Schrock, uh, both of these guys hit over 300 in the minors this past season. Um, pretty good, Hall for the Cardinals, I suppose. These seem like players that the Cardinals might flip, maybe uh, in other trades. And you know, there's been a lot of rumblings that they're not close to done yeah. moving. Um, you know, I mean, they're reportedly in serious talks with the Rays about a potential multi-year deal or multi-player deal. Alex Calame, the Rays closer, is known to be a serious target for St. Louis. He led all major leaguers in saves this past year with 47. And he's under contractual control through 2020. And that's an obvious fit there for the Cardinals, who lost Sung Wan Oh and Juan Nicasio to free agency and Trevor Rosenthal to Tommy John surgery. Uh, St. Louis also might be a fit for Evan Longoria, who has a bad contract. I think we would both agree at this point. Sure. Um, Which is funny that- how, it's funny how quickly that's turned around because for a long time that was like everyone said like that was the value contract in baseball. Yeah, but he re-upped it, remember, and, oh, and it got a lot, and it got right. a lot worse. That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, Eighty-one million dollars over the next five years, and he'll secure uh, his ten and five no trade rights a few months into the 2018 season before the trade deadline. So I think if the Rays want to get out from under that money, and I'm sure they do with the way they operate, uh, they'll, they'll probably want to move him this winter. 
the Cardinals have the payroll flexibility to take that deal on and hope that Longoria can rebound. He still hits for power and plays good defense at third base. Um, but you know, he's 32 years old and hasn't po- posted an on-base percentage above 328 since 2013. Hmm. Um, just really fallen off in, in terms of a, you know, the well-rounded hitter that he used to be. But I, I don't know, with a change of scenery, I could see him being a fine player, um, you know, like a three-war player, which isn't a huge upgrade over Jed Jerko at third base, but I think Jerko probably does better with extra rest. I mean, we saw that a little bit between 2016 and 2017. Um, so I, I think that's a fit, and I think that contract is way more palatable for the Cardinals than it is for the Rays. Um, and I, I wonder how much they'd have to give up. I think probably the the blockbuster portion of that deal would be what they have to give up for Colome. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris Archer could also be on the move as as the Rays restructure things. It, it seems like they're ready to kind of do a fire sale or like a rolling rebuild type of thing. Yeah. Um, just just looking up at the Yankees and the Red Sox and the AL East, knowing they're not that kind of club, and, and they probably need to to get an injection of younger talent. Uh, Archer would be a fit for the Cardinals, but I mean, many other teams would be in that hunt too. Yeah, I mean, this is the perfect kind of segue into the other trades that are possible. And I think the big one that's sort of gaining momentum uh, this week is the Manny Machado situation. Of course, the Yankees acquiring Stanton and the Red Sox, we know they're going to be in the mix for for somebody or maybe sign multiple huge free agents. Uh, There was a report today that maybe they'd sign both Eric Hosmer and JD Martinez. So, uh, those two teams are going to duke it out. So the other teams in the AL East need to ask themselves some difficult questions uh, and be realistic about their ability to compete. So the Orioles are in that position with Machado right now. Machado one year out from free agency. So they've been shopping him aggressively this week. And of course, we've heard the Yankees mentioned that seems unlikely to me. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, the, the Cardinals have been mentioned as well. The Phillies, all teams with good farm systems. But There was a report overnight, Wednesday into Thursday, from Ken Rosenthal, The Athletic, that the White Sox have been the most aggressive team so far, and that's obviously a huge surprise. They're deep into their rebuild, stockpiling prospects, not nearly ready to contend just yet. They definitely have the pieces required to pull off such a deal, but this appears to be a weird scenario unless they can get him to agree to an extension. Yeah, I I mean, Rosenthal suggested the possibility that the White Sox could then flip him to the Yankees because the Orioles probably wouldn't deal Machado directly to the Yankees. Yeah. Um, God, that would piss so many people off. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I think I, I could see, yeah, I mean, like the Phillies don't make a lot of sense to me. The Giants don't make a lot of sense to me. Um, I don't know what – they'd have to make so many moves to, to make me think they're a contender yeah. uh, in 2018. The Red Sox make sense. Uh I think the Cardinals make a lot of sense. I mean, they didn't have to give up, you know, and I'm a Cardinals fan, admittedly, but, you know, they didn't have to give up any of their top five prospects to get Marcelo Zuna. So they have a lot to deal from. They've got young pitching. We know the Orioles want pitching. I mean, they, they had the, the worst rotation ERA in the league in 2017. Um, so I, I think that's a fit. I mean, what, what a huge offseason that would be for the Cardinals to get Ozuna and Machado and potentially a closer in, in column A. Yeah, I think if you combine like contention and prospects, the Cardinals are in the best position to, mm-hmm. to make this trade out of the teams that have kind of been mentioned here. Um, I would think that the Orioles would not trade him to the White Sox. Like they would probably 
you know, make them pinky swear they would not trade with the Yankees. <laughs> I know that's, that's not binding in any way, um, but I, I would find that unlikely. It's possible the White Sox could acquire him with the idea of being like, oh, maybe he'll just see how things are here, our promising future. Maybe we'll have an advantage re-signing him, or maybe they'll give up halfway through the season and try to flip him at the deadline and get a couple pieces back. Maybe he ends up on the Yankees then. Um, yeah, I mean, th- there are studies that you get more at the at the deadline than you do in the offseason with trades. I mean, like in terms of war, I read that on fan graphs. So there, there could be something to that. Yeah, I mean, I could definitely see that happening, especially with a player like Machado. Uh, mm-hmm. Wants to play shortstop in his contract year as well. Um, that's a, a factor. I think in the right situation, he'd probably be into playing third base if he could win in 2018. Um, but that's something to keep in mind as well. So we're going to be keeping an eye on that. Uh, the Rays, obviously, as you mentioned, uh, they're listening pr- to pretty much on everybody. Uh, in addition to Chris Archer, Jake Odorizzi, um, we've heard his name rumored this week as well. Uh, another big one, the Marlins, are they, are they going to deal Christian Yelich at this point? Um, he actually posted a, a smile, like it was a, it was like a thinking emoji. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. (laughs) It was like, uh, after the trade uh, with Stanton on Saturday, like that's all it was. It was just the, the thinking face emoji. Um, so just that, Hmm, what's going on here? Kind of thing. Um, but either way, he doesn't appear thrilled with the situation. Um, understandably. So, um, Yelich is on a favorable contract through 2021 has a club option for 2022, uh, so the Marlins, I don't think, have to move him. But if he's unhappy and teams keep calling, uh, you never know. Uh, I, at this point, I'd be more inclined to think it will happen. Yeah, maybe they could finally get like a top 50 prospect for him. Uh, I would, if it didn't happen, I mean, I, I don't know who else they could deal to get one. I mean, he he's really would be the perfect one just because he has that contract. I, I don't yeah. see in any way, unless they try to pair him with Junichi Tozawa to try to get rid of that contract too. I, I could see that happening, actually. It'd be hilarious. But yeah, we, um, We've heard the Padres, uh, Braves. I think both of those teams would make sense. Teams that are a little further away from contending can, can also get in the hunt here. So he'd probably have over a dozen teams checking in. Yeah, I, I kind of like the idea of the Padres, actually. Um, yeah, I do, too. So Blue Jays, will, will they think of dealing Josh Donaldson? I know the Cardinals have asked about him. I saw a report this week about that. Donaldson will be a free agent after 2018. Uh, but the Blue Jays don't seem inclined to trade him, which to me is just silly. Um, I think they should shift into a rebuild given where they are, but uh, they appear reluctant to do so. They were even mentioned for a po- as a possibility for Lorenzo Cain uh, on mm-hmm. Thursday, and we've heard nothing about Lorenzo Cain. Uh, surprisingly, uh, he's one. Of yeah, the- that was I did that blur, but it was the first one we've had on him since he rejected the qualifying. Yeah, offer. there's just been nothing on him so mm-hmm. far. Um, Zach Granke, someone to keep an eye on. Maybe uh, it seems like the Diamondbacks are at least listening. Uh, I guess because they need the money to retain JD Martinez. That's like the best thing I can come up with. Yeah, I, I don't really get that one, but I, you know, I, I mean, like, yeah, it was first. The, the story was first floated that the Rangers were trying to, to get Granky, and then a report came out quickly that they were only offering marginal prospects to the Diamondbacks. And, yeah, this isn't going to be a salary dump situation. You know, the, I think if the Diamondbacks were to trade him, they'd want some pretty good young talent in return or, or MLB-ready talent in return. Um, and then also some salary relief to, to yeah, to, to make a real play to re-sign Martinez. We've heard a little bit about the Yankees asking around on pitching Garrett Cole, Michael Fulmer. 
so Pirates, Tigers, kind of teams that could be, I mean, we know the Tigers are rebuilding. I think the Pirates have to ask themselves some questions too. Andrew McCutcheon a year away from free agency as well. So keep an eye on those guys. Um, Royals rebuild probably coming with all those top free agents uh, out there and likely to leave. Uh, Danny Duffy, left-hander, just signed an extension earlier this year, actually. His name's come up in a lot of rumors this week. I could see him being traded. Uh, Late-inning reliever Kelvin Herrera. Uh, he'll be a free agent, a free agent after 2018. Had a so-so 2017 while dealing with some forearm trouble. So they'd kind of be selling low on him, but he seems like a logical guy to be moved as well. Yeah, I think they got to deal Duffy and Herrera. Any guys that they can get something for because they really don't have that many players that they can get something for. And, you know, the farm system isn't good. Um, all these players are leaving. They need to to break it down. And, and it's almost an involuntary breakdown, uh, in, involuntary rebuild. But they just kind of need to start over. And they had a great run. They won a World Series. So sure. there's really not much to complain about. I, I think fans would tolerate it, actually. Um, so I'll go to you for another trade that did happen. Um, that's Ian Kinsler being traded, uh, by the Tigers to the Angels. Interesting pickup there. Yeah. Um, in exchange for outfielder Troy Montgomery and right-hander Wilkel Hernandez, a couple of very young minor leaguers who did not rank among the top prospects in the Angels minor league system, which is a very bad system to begin with. Um, Kinsler was never going to draw a great return. Uh, for Detroit as a guy who's owed $11 million for his age 36 season. But Anaheim is actually, I think, a really great fit for him. Um, Angels second baseman combined for a 206 batting average and a 601 OPS in 2017. So in comparison, Kinsler's 720 OPS from this past year looks pretty good. Uh, and he did tally 22 home runs and 14 stolen bases in, in 139 games. You know, pretty relevant fantasy numbers. Um, this this is a big defensive upgrade for the Angels. Uh, Kinsler is still strong with the glove and has good range, even you know in his late 30s now. Uh, Anaheim's up the middle defense has Martin Maldonado at catcher. He won the Gold Glove in 2017. Uh, three-time Gold Glove winner Andrelton Simmons at shortstop. 2016 Gold Glove winner Ian Kinsler now at second base, and then of course Mike Trout in center field. Trout's actually the only one of that group without a Gold Glove. Um, if we're talking fantasy, uh, I would expect Kinsler to not do that well offensively in Anaheim. I mean, it's a hard place to hit, um, and you know he's going to be 36 this summer, so um, like an AL only league kind of guy. Um, there's there's enough talent on the middle infield that you don't really need to mess around with him at this point in his career. Yeah, I think he could be like a middle infield guy in, in mixed leagues yeah. at this point. Um, you look at the bat batting average on balls in play uh, this past season. It was 244. Uh, he had the highest hard hit rate of his career, but his, his line drives were down a bit. Uh, it seemed like he bought in on the fly ball movement in baseball, so he had a lot of fly balls. So, But either way, I could see that sort of evening out a little bit and we'll see a and, little, bit, yeah. little bit of a good I could see Mike Sosha batting him like leadoff or somewhere near the top of the lineup too, just because he's like a veteran. Yeah, um, that's so that sounds logical. Yeah, <laughs> so maybe he benefits from you know maybe he'll score a hundred runs hitting in front of Mike Trout. But we see like it just happens often with second basemen. Like when they lose it, like they lose it for good. Um, and mm -hmm. he is thirty six years old, so I do wonder a little bit. Um, you know, if he's already over the hill as far offensively. Um, but as you said, a nice upgrade from what they had last year. I mean, really, it's a very low bar <laughs> to <laughs> to uh, exceed there. 
and he still plays a fine second base. Uh, I think it's a good addition, at least defensively. Um, you look at the other second baseman on the trade market right now, uh, Starling Castro, now with the Marlins, uh, presumably not for very long, uh, Cesar Hernandez with the Phillies, Josh Harrison with the Pirates, Jason Kipnis with the Indians, Jed Lowry with the Athletics, Neil Walker is kind of the prominent second baseman uh, on free agency. So there's still a lot of second basemen out there. Uh, there was a report from Chris Cotillo of SB Nation on Thursday afternoon that there's traction on a Kipnis trade with the Mets. Uh, Kipnis is coming off a bad year, uh, doesn't really have a spot in Cleveland at this point. He's owed $13.5 million in 2018, $14.5 million in 2019, also has a club option for 2020. Uh, as I said, doesn't really have a spot with the Indians anymore. I think they're mostly trying to shed the salary to maybe keep Carlos Santana, for example. So I think they'd be happy just giving up that contract. Not really about talent in a trade for them. Uh, I think there's reason to be skeptical about the Mets' ability to just pick up a contract like that. But <laughs> yeah. uh, Mark Carrig of Newsday wrote on Thursday that the Mets are actually more inclined to do that, uh, to pick up that contract than give up talent at this point from a farm system, which is actually pretty weak. It's one of the weaker ones, uh, at least trending in that direction. So uh, that does look I, like a yeah. strong possibility. I like that fit, man. Um, yeah, he's a good bounce back candidate, I think Kipnis says. He's only 30 years old. The contract's not great for, for how up and down he is and kind of injury prone. Had a lot of hamstring injuries in 2017, but it's something that the, the Mets should, should kind of take a chance on. I'd be down with it, honestly. I, I'd be perfectly fine with it and he's a guy who could definitely bounce back and be fantasy relevant in mixed leagues again so uh, I think that could be an interesting situation he's a guy another one who could bat high in the Mets lineup because they have a lot of potential youth being in that lineup as well Uh, I'll yeah so so I'm not sorry to cut you off I'll I'll quickly run us through some other markets if you want me to sure go for it yeah um, reports indicate that the Padres are already shopping Chase Headley who was acquired from the Yankees on Tuesday for outfielder Jabari Blash it sounds like the Angels have interest in him Um, there was a report Thursday that the Angels have also contacted free agent Zach Cozart about playing third base Um, they're just you know kind of trying to upgrade the hot corner from you know Escobar Cozart has never played the hot corner in his pro career, but he's a really good defender, always has been at shortstop, and could probably make that transition. Um, coming off a great final season with the Reds, put up a 933 OPS with 24 home runs in 122 games. Uh, should do quite well for himself, I would think, once you know the free agent position player market gets going. Like we've talked about in this podcast, there just haven't really been – many rumors about these kind of guys who are expected to get pretty good contracts eventually. Um, and then with Todd Frazier, there are reports that as many 10 teams have expressed interest in him among them, the Yankees, of course, uh, the Red Sox, the angels, the giants and Mets. I'm envisioning a return to the Yankees. I think, I mean, he was a good fit there down the stretch in 2017. Um, he's a native of New Jersey, if that matters. And, and they have a vacancy at third base, but Maybe it won't be that simple. Yeah, I mean, I, I doubt the Yankees are going to go with really unproven players in their infield in kind of a no. win-now year right now. Gleyber Torres is expected to play a lot of second base in 2018. I'm not sure if he'll be up right away. Um, they also have Miguel Andujar, a really promising third-base prospect. But again, I doubt they're going to go with both of those guys to start the year or rely on them heavily. Um, they also have Greg Bird at first base, who's... You know, I expect him to be the starter there, but he's also a little bit unproven as well. So I think definitely Frazier's a fit there, especially after they shed the salary of Headley. They have some wiggle room there with the luxury tax. Yep. 
Um, anyway, any other markets to monitor? I mean, we could talk a little bit about the all the relievers that have that have signed. Perfect. So yeah, all the all the big position players and and starting pitchers remain on the market, but relievers were just flying off the board this week. You know, Luke Gregerson landed with the Cardinals, Brian Shaw with the Rockies, and you can go on and on. Juan Nicasio, Pat Neshek, Joe Smith, Brandon Kinsler, Anthony Swarzak, Brandon Morrow. Uh, it just goes on and on. I, I'm not sure the fantasy fallout with a lot of these guys. It seems like, you know, if Holland returns to the Rockies, that's obviously big. Uh, Fernando Rodney signed with the Twins on Thursday. Maybe he could get some save chances. Uh, maybe even yeah, Brandon. I, I believe that. I yeah, believe that. I, th- I think so. Brandon Morrow, an option for the Cubs potentially at closer. It seems like maybe they'll add somebody else, but that's another fantasy situation to watch. Yeah, I think Morrow. Is, is possibly going to be the Cubs' closer. I mean, yeah, like you said, they got Steve Ciszek, uh on Thursday. That's kind of your your side-arming setup, man. And Morrow was dominant in a, in high-leverage spots for the Dodgers in 2017, especially in the playoffs. What, he made 14 appearances in the postseason. Yeah. I think he appear, appeared in every World Series game. Or, he did. Or at least, yeah. And somehow he's still alive. <laughs> yeah. For, for um, now, for now. Right. I mean, we know he has injury issues, but yeah. – um, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. If, if if the Cubs are gonna get a closer, I guess they would have to trade for one or, or try to re-sign Wade Davis. It, it doesn't seem like they're gonna do that. Addison Reed's still out there too. Yeah, true. Um, really good reliever, closing experience. I think he'd be a fine closer if you know if he signed anywhere. So you know, there's still some free agent options out there. They could explore a trade as well. They could do something outside the box and just run with Morrow. Um, they also have Carl Edwards Jr., who looks like a future closer there. Um, but we'll see. I think Morrow is interesting. We've talked a lot about the Angels. They could use some relief help. I wonder if they're going to be late in getting in on that market. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, they're putting together a, a pretty interesting roster, I think. There's you know, still some questions in the rotation, a, a lot of injuries. Uh, but yeah, I, I like a lot of the pieces there. Yeah, it's going to be interesting with Otani. Uh, it seems like he's going to see some time at DH. I think they're envisioning two, three days a week in between his starts, uh, which means we're going to see more, I guess, maybe less of Albert Pujols in general, but it seems like he's going to see more time at first base, which might actually make him more uh, apt to be injured. So I don't know how that situation is going to work out. Is he still going to bet cleanup when he does play? Man, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> He'll get another 100 RBI season, though, so that's all that yeah. matters. Um, but, yeah, uh, any other thoughts, uh, takeaways from the winter meetings? Where do you think you Darvish, is going to go? Oh, man. Um, on the spot. On the spot. I think he'll, I think he'll go to the Dodgers. I'm just going to throw the Dodgers out there. Yeah. I think the Dodgers think, will add a starter, so I, I'm just saying Dodgers. I want the Twins to do it. That would be sweet. I think it would be awesome. I mean, if there's any team that needs to add a frontline starter and just appears ready from the position player side, it's the Twins. And I, yep. th- that would provide a huge boost to that fan base to be like, we're serious. We're in this to win. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that would be really cool. Yeah, I mean, they would be probably their biggest contract since Joe Maurer. Yeah. And then, like, and then like the next, the second biggest contract from there is, is like Justin Morneau. Yeah. They, and- don't spend, they don't spend a lot of money. Yeah, I mean, if you put him at the top of the rotation there with uh, Barrios, Irvin, Santana, uh, that's pretty good one through three. And, and Maurer comes off the books what, next winter? Is that right? I'm not sure. but that sounds, Yeah, that yeah, sounds yeah. Right. It, is, it is next winter. Yeah, this is his final year. 
Yeah. What what will Twins fans Twins fans complain about after <laughs> after 2018? We'll see. That Sano is too fat. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Uh, so okay, I think that will do it for this episode. Um, thank you so much for listening. We're we're actually deep in preparations for the 2018 Roto World Baseball Draft Guide magazine right now. So in addition to craziness from winter meetings, we had we're doing tons of magazine writing right now. Um, you can look for that in early February. Uh, the online online edition will also go live around that time. But after the new year, the magazine will be done, and we'll start beginning preparation for spring training and the season, uh, which means more regular episodes of this podcast. The exact schedule is still sort of to be, to be determined, but worry not, more episodes are coming in advance of spring training. Uh, with that in mind, be sure to subscribe to this show wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, etc., also, be sure to follow us on Twitter. I'm at DJ Short. Drew is at Drew Silv. Any final words before we go? Um, I got to get a lot of work done for the draft guide. That's all, that's all I'm thinking about. Ditto. Same here. Um, <laughs> yeah. Happy holidays, everyone. And uh, we will see you in 2018.